talking about mental illness in the church, and we talk about when somebody has a heart problem, you go and see a doctor. When you have a broken bone, you see a doctor. But if something is off with the brain, with deep depression or chronic anxiety or mental illness, often we have ignored, whispered, and stigmatized. So while this morning I'm focusing on depression, I want to be careful about lumping all mental disorders together. There are different kinds of mental disorders that Amy talks about in her book, anxiety disorders, ADHD, um, <clears throat> autism spectrum disorders, eating disorders, mood disorders, which uh, depression falls under. I think much of what I say can apply to how the church walks alongside anyone who is dealing with some sort of mental illness. And this morning, I'm not going to say everything that needs to be said about depression. But I hope this is the beginning or, or part of a conversation in how we minister to one another and how we walk with one another through this tough stuff. As we come and look at a couple of different Bible characters, would you pray with me? <clears throat> Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you speak to us this morning through your word and through your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look first real briefly at Psalm chapter 13. There's a number of David's psalms that I could look at for talking about uh, different stages of David's um, emotions and, and mental outlook on life. But Psalm 13 uh, hit me, and so I want to read it real briefly. It says to the reader, a psalm of David, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken, but I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Lots of other psalms that we could look at. We could look at Psalm 22, that Jesus prays and quotes from the cross when Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's interesting that David is called a man after God's own heart. And yet here he is wrestling with doubt, with abandonment, with discouragement. This man who has calmed others with his music is wrestling with dark thoughts himself. Another one of our famous Bible characters <clears throat> wrestling with doubt, wrestling with um, all kinds of highs and lows in their life is Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah shows up to confront Ahab. And this is a showdown between the prophets of Baal and Elijah, the prophet of God, between false idols and the living God. If you remember the story from Sunday school, 450 prophets of Baal show up and they're praying and wailing and then they start cutting themselves and 
trying to do everything they can to get Baal to light the sacrifice on fire. At one point, Elijah kind of says, you know, maybe not yelling loud enough. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's out to lunch. Yell louder. And then Elijah takes his turn, and he douses the, the sacrifice with, with water, and he builds a, a trench around, fills it with water. He wants it to make it clear that this is going to be no cheap trick. And then Elijah prays a simple prayer, and God burns up everything, all of the water. Everything is gone. <clears throat> the people know that Yahweh is God. And then there's some Old Testament judgment. Elijah goes and slaughters the prophets of Baal. I don't have time this morning to dissect this whole story. But then we get to 1 Kings 19. Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, finds out that her prophets have been slaughtered, and she goes out to kill Elijah. And Elijah runs and hides. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 4, it says this, But he himself, talking about Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And that's a quick change. One minute on, on top of the world, seeing the power of God before his, his very own eyes. And the next, asking for life to end. God sends an angel to get him some food, take care of his physical needs, God is saying, let's get some food in you, and then let's talk. And then we get the story of Elijah going to the mouth of the cave, waiting for God to pass by, and there's the great fire, and, and, or the great wind, and, and the earthquake, but God is not in either of those. God is in the still, small voice. Our text this morning is from Jeremiah 20. Jeremiah is one of the great prophets of God, calling people to repentance. And Jeremiah's ministry is about going to the, the kings and going to the people and telling them God's hard truth, calling them to repentance and, and follow God again. And then Jeremiah experiences some persecution. He's beaten up, he's locked up, and now things don't look so great for Jeremiah. And in the text that Jeff read for us this morning, it ends with, chapter 20 ends with kind of this rambling poem. It starts with Jeremiah kind of saying, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. I don't know if you sang that song when you were a kid. And then it turns. It turns to... I have the message of God in me, and I need to get it out. I can't keep it inside. I can't keep this fire stored up in my bones. And then it goes further. To Jeremiah saying, let my foes, let those against me get what they deserve. And then we get a verse of praise. 
verse 13. He says, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of evildoers. If it just stopped there, we would say, oh, see, it ends on a positive note. <clears throat> but from there, things get kind of dark. And Jeremiah writes, Cursed be the day on which I was born. The day when my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, A child is born to you, a son, making him very glad. Let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon, because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave, and her womb forever great. Why did I come forth from the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Man, that's some, that's some raw emotion there. That's a lot of tough stuff that Jeremiah is wrestling with. Some dark thoughts there. I want to say something about each of these three. I want us to see something about David, Elijah, and Jeremiah. Whatever you want to call their emotions, whatever is happening inside of them, whatever their diagnosis may have been, whatever they're wrestling with, depressed with, or anxious about, they're not experiencing these emotions because of a lack of faith. I think sometimes we've treated folks that are wrestling with depression or anxiety or any other kinds of things going on in their life as though there's a lack of faithfulness. These three guys know who God is. They've experienced God's saving acts in their life, and yet they still wrestle with hard emotions and hard thoughts in life. These heroes and sheroes of the Bible often don't face hardships depression, manic episodes, or other crisis of faith because of a lack of faith. We in the church have not always or maybe not usually been good at helping people who are dealing with depression, who are walking that, that valley. I think sometimes, at least I come from a long tradition of stuff it down, don't talk about it, like a good Christian. We don't want to hear about it. We say, suck it up, get over it, and be happy. And sometimes we've equated those who are wrestling with depression or anxiety We've equated that with a lack of faithfulness. It reminds me of a story that John tells in his gospel, where Jesus is going around, and he's got his disciples with him, and they come across a blind man. And the disciples all stop and say, Jesus, 
who sinned? He's blind. And, and they stop and they say, who sinned? Him or his parents? And I think reading between the lines, Jesus must have been like, <laughs> are you serious? No, he's, he's here so that God can display his work. So that God can do something amazing in his life. So on one hand, you know, for a long time, I think the church was about shutting up your depression inside. We don't want to hear it. Don't make the rest of us feel uncomfortable. Just cheer up and get over it. Now on the other hand, someone tells us they're dealing with depression. And we say, go tell your therapist which is a little better than it was. But I wonder if that's because we still don't want to hear it. Don't make us feel uncomfortable. It's their job to feel uncomfortable, not mine. Just go get some medication and cheer up. And yet the body of Christ is called to mourn with those who mourn, to weep with those who weep, to be with those who are walking through the darkness of depression. And yes, we need to help brothers and sisters get the professional medical help that they need, but that but we don't just leave them alone. You don't just say you need to see someone and then you're done with them. Sometimes in pastoral care, you know, we talk about referring people. When, when, when somebody comes and, and has something they're dealing with that's beyond your capability, refer. They never talk, they don't often talk about, well, what, how do we continue to be the body of Christ to them? I, I'll refer, but they're still my brother and sister. We're still called to walk that road with them. Depression, anxiety, other mental illnesses are often hard for us to see. It doesn't come with an open, visible wound. There might not be staples closing that wound up. You might not see the crutch holding them up. The church is meant to be a family, a community of people who are in relationship with one another so that we can pray with one another, so that we can walk with one another, so that we can rejoice with one another. And at times when needed, we can weep with one another. And I have to confess to you that I'm not sure that I've always experienced depression in the same way that others have. I know I haven't. And so it can be hard sometimes to relate. I've asked questions about purpose and meaning, and there are times where I don't, just don't feel it. And I also have to confess that I'm a fixer. I want to fix problems. And sometimes that just gets in the way. And Katie will come and tell me something. No, I just want you to listen. 
Okay. You want a solution to your problem or not? Because I'm a fixer. I just, no, sometimes we just need to be an ear. We just need to be a shoulder to cry on and to be with folks. And can I be a little bit more honest with you for a second? Often people who are dealing with depression are nervous about talking about it. They, they fear condemnation. They fear maybe us just not understanding or, or they think there's something wrong with them or, or, or that there's a lack of faith in them. Maybe they're wrestling with that. And so they're often nervous about talking about it. But sometimes so are those of us that are listening. We're nervous about it because we don't always know how to handle it. But I think what the body of Christ is called to do is to be open and honest with one another. And at times, when needed, we need to be uncomfortable with one another. You're uncomfortable with sharing, and you're uncomfortable with hearing. Let's just be uncomfortable together and walk this road together. And I'll point you to Jesus, and you point me to Jesus, and let's walk towards Jesus together. We don't have to be God's gift to the counseling world to be a listening ear. And there's another story in John's Gospel. A man named Lazarus is sick, good friend of Jesus. Jesus gets the news, and then Jesus waits, and then Lazarus dies. Jesus shows up and finds Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, weeping, and everyone around them mourning the loss of Lazarus. And in this story comes that shortest verse in the Bible that we all memorized as children. Jesus wept. Jesus looks around at those grieving. And even though he knows the result of the story, he knows the conclusion to this story. It says he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And Jesus began to weep. To those of us who are wrestling with depression, with dark thoughts of life, to those crippled by anxiety or walking through mental illness, I don't want to offer you shallow platitudes. I don't want to offer you just empty sayings. Some of the heroes of the Bible, those who were called by God, who heard the voice of God, who saw the presence of God, they too wrestled with the darkness inside them. I do want to point us towards hope. I do want us to find our rest, our relief, maybe a glimpse of joy in a Savior who weeps with you when he sees your hurt. I do want to encourage all of us to cultivate joy in our lives. But I think real joy comes not by covering up our emotions, but by wrestling through them, by moving through them, by being with one another. 
to find real wholeness, working through and dealing with our emotions, not just covering them up. Church, we need to be a place that walks with those who walk through these dark shadows. And on a practical side, I said earlier that Amy Simpson in her book calls depression and, and anxiety and mental illness the casserole-less illness. We need to find ways of practically caring for one another. And so if you're going through some depression and you just don't feel like even getting up and eating a meal, call me. And we're going to get a casserole out to you. Jesus feed, or God feeds Elijah when he's going through this, this dark time and this, this dark wrestling. And we brethren pride ourselves on feeding each other and, and meals and being at the table with one another. Let's put that into action. Let's find practical ways of caring for one another, of being with one another, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Amen and amen. If you would turn in your blue hymnal to number 504 and stand in body or spirit, we'll sing, Have thine own way, Lord.